You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Very excited for today. This is what I wanted to record for a long time with uh, my friend, Mary-Kate Knorr. Mary, how are you? Mary-Kate, how are you doing today? Good. I'm doing well. I'm so excited. I think we're going to have so much fun. Same. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you're one of the people that I feel like the people who follow both of us are very excited for i hope so i hope so that's awesome (laughs) yeah yeah no shortage of hot takes between the two of us that is for sure for sure um which is which is really awesome and so first before we get into anything we want to talk about today would love just a little bit of background introduction of who you are what you do and all that good stuff yeah um gosh so um my name is mary kate obviously um as you said i um, in the last year, I founded an organization called Femini Vero. So our focus is um, educating women on their reproductive health. But we actually, whereas you have so much of the pro-life movement nowadays, that's like, you can't talk about religion. We can't make it about religion. We do the opposite. We bring religion in with the biology and we bring theology of the body in. We bring in, you know, the stories of women in the Bible and the lives of the saints. And we say, mm. our bodies are made this way, not just because because that is what it is, but because like God had a plan for the way that he wanted women and men to live together, um, on the earth, on the earth, basically. Um, so, so we do that. We educate women and um, we're working on a curriculum right now for girls. Um, and that's kind of like the professional side. Um, I'm on Instagram like you are, and it started out for me just like sharing, you know, stories. And I, I used to like blog and I think a lot of people or at least a lot of women on Instagram used to blog and then they kind of like yeah. moved over to Instagram. And, um, so I just kind of like gained, have gained a following over the years between, you know, I worked in politics for a while. So sharing about political stuff. And then as time has gone on and like the Lord has worked on my heart, I've moved away from politics and more into like the, the life issue space. Um, mm. and recently, um, I've really just felt even more called than ever to make social media like a tool for evangelization and make it less about like, you know, firing off my random opinions about Joe Biden and stuff. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so sure. it's just like a journey is what I'm saying. So anyway, so Definitely. I'm on Instagram and it's, I love it. It's fun and it's awesome. It's also like very convicting and 
gives me a lot of reasons to go to confession, but like, <laughs> isn't that true for all of us? I'm sure. So, yeah. so yeah, that's kind of my story and I'm engaged, which we, you and I talk about on Instagram a lot too. So indeed. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's so great. And I think, you know, I was just, I went to confession this morning and I'm like, one of my like Good constant go-tos that I'll usually say, even if I can't think of like a specific instance is like just being judgmental of other people. <laughs> <I disagree>. so <laughs> true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just feel like social media, like that's what we're all doing, even when we don't recognize it. And I try to call it out in myself that I, I need to like, remember, like when I, there are certain people that I unfollow them because I'm like, every time this person posts, I feel myself like judging them yeah. in my heart and I'm with you. It's so tempting. Gosh, it's so tempting because yeah. you don't know these people. Right. But they're like, I'm sure people judge us because we're like posting oh, stuff yeah. and you know, we don't actually know these people. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> it I feel is you. so hard. I yeah. really, yeah. You know, because I strive to do the uh, anti, I always, oh, the social dilemma stuff, you know, and like mm-hmm. try to follow people who I disagree with and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's super challenging, you know, because you do just so start to, uh, it's very easy to dislike some people on social media. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so to very strongly dislike them. Uh, <laughs> so I know, uh, you know, we've talked about multiple things that you've shared before and that I've shared, but uh, one thing that was really fun that we talked that you were doing, like right when we decided to record a podcast together, which is a, a while back now yeah, um, was the whole Taylor Swift uh, debacle oh, and thing, you know, when her, and I don't know a ton about it, you know, but it was basically like, I think she had some type of beef with her record label. Is that correct? And yeah. so she had to re-record a lot of her music and she released the Taylor's version yep. edition of a lot of things. And it brought up a lot of controversy and debate about her past relationships. And, uh, you know, she had a little F the patriarchy line in there and she's become quite the feminist over the last oh, yeah. decade or so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, she, she's got dabbled in politics a lot more over the last few years. Um, there was a, uh, Marsha Blackburn's race in Tennessee, I think a couple of years ago, she mm-hmm. like was really public about the fact that people shouldn't support Marsha Blackburn because she's pro-life. Um, right. so that was like really Taylor Swift's first political endeavor, I would say. And I, I suspect she learned that that didn't play well for her because it had virtually no impact on Marsha Blackburn's race. I mean, she still won. Um, and I think it made, it put a sour taste in people's mouths, you know, about yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a tough thing with, with you, you hear like the, for athletes, a lot of times, like the shut up and dribble kind of yeah. mentality. And it is such a weird thing in our society. I think that we just view people who have been successful in like any one area that you now mm-hmm. can become like this, you know, expert For and like sure. offer a valuable opinion yeah. in anything. 100%, you know? 100%. And it's, it's so interesting too, because like, I'm sure if you or I were in that position that like we, for whatever reason, had a platform that people listened to what we say, regardless of the topic, we would probably use it, you know, or I like right. to think I would, I would use it. Um, but yeah, on you, ha- on the flip side of that, you have like, you know, the, not to call him out, but like the LeBron James of the world who think like, oh, yeah. well, what I say is Bible because I'm LeBron James. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's just kind of absurd, but yeah, the world it's really in. interesting. Yeah. I think the, the compassionate side of me too recognizes that they must be so influenced by so many people mm-hmm. in their lives who are trying to push an agenda, you know, and that sure. can connect them with more like opportunities and things like that. You think of LeBron For and sure. Hollywood and stuff you know um so there is that aspect to it and and to to remember i think sometimes because it is it is easy to be harsh on them and i often am but 
to remember that like they are human, you know, and that they are emotional and that they want to be liked and that they, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Um, and yeah. they're greedy, you know, and like we all are to a certain extent. And so we all do yeah. things for financial gain and stuff like that. And they're not like formed. I think it's important for us to remember too, that a lot of these people are not formed in truth, 100%. in the faith, you know, in yeah. like reason and critical thinking. And so they do just yeah. kind of parrot these CNN talking points, you know, they get a lot of likes because yeah. it's easy to fall into that. You know, absolutely. You know, and I also think like, I feel really strongly that most people out there, I mean, I mean, you and I are both, I would say pretty conservative people for the most part. And we get, I know, actually, I know you talk about that too, which I I love when you talk about, you know, kind of making that shift from one side of the political spectrum to the other. But, um, we, uh, I think that there's this like conspiratorial vein in on the right, maybe a little bit on the left too, but on the right that you get a lot of people who are really want to convict the other side and say like, well, they're just evil. Like they just, they're just evil. They just have bad intentions. And I don't actually believe that. I think that most people think that what they're doing in some weird twisted way, maybe is the right thing, or they think it's the compassionate thing or the quote unquote loving thing. And I think a lot of bad behavior or a lot of permissiveness, like permitting bad behavior is a result of like, misunderstanding what love actually is. And really what that is, is that's a misunderstanding of God, the father and who yeah. he is, you know? Right. So I, I totally agree with you. I feel like we have to approach everyone with such mercy because that's because yeah. I mean, God knows God has to approach me with mercy every single day. <laughs> you know. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think I was just talking to somebody. I can't remember what podcast it was. I've done too many recently. So I can never remember what conversation I talked about. What <laughs> yeah. But with somebody, I asked him, oh, I, th- I think I remember now. It was with uh, Christian Lasvel. Okay. Um, and we were talking about, like, what do you think is the percentage of useful idiots to, uh, like, actual <laughs> evil actors? You know, like, the, yeah. the term useful idiots was, like, used during, like, the Stalin regime in Soviet Russia. Wow. And... I'm like, I think he gave it a lot higher, I think, percentage for, for evil than I thought, than I personally believe, mm-hmm. because I think, and I think it's the debate, right? And I think there's no yeah. way we can know, 100%. Uh, but, but I look at somebody like a Taylor or a LeBron, and I do think they are, to a certain extent, not saying they are totally idiots and, and yeah. stupid people, but yeah. I think they're useful idiots in the sense that like, um, or you think of like a Greta Thunberg, right? Like this, yeah. like they haven't been presented with both sides. 100% objectively, you know, and gotten to reason their way through. They've yeah. been told that if they, you know, go with a certain uh, belief system and promote it, that they'll be more popular, that they'll have more career opportunities and all this stuff. And so I think there is a lot of, yeah, we have to understand that there's a lot of useful idiots out there that political people who are, you know, I think you have your Bill Gates, your George Soros, your Anthony Fauci's, who I think are you know, malicious. Evil One, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but they use a lot of these other people, you know, that they, they find on the view or whatever it might be to, um, yeah. Parrot their talking points that yep. I think some of them are genuinely trying to do what is right. You know, I totally agree. I mean, Taylor Swift, I think is a perfect example of that. And so the reason that for people who don't know, like the reason that we're talking about Taylor Swift is that when all of, when her song about, uh, was it about, John, it's about John Mayer, I think, or no, I'm sorry. The song that came out that was about Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Gyllenhaal that's what it, is, it yeah. um, when it was released, I like had a couple of rants on my stories that yeah. I, I know you saw and, um, it kind of blew up what I was saying about it. And I think people misunderstood my words in some instances to like, I think that people thought I was calling her evil. Um, and it's actually really the opposite. I think Taylor Swift is a perfect example of a celebrity who is a victim of our culture. 
Like Mm. she, I remember my sophomore year of high school. I mean, I'm 29. I was a sophomore in high school when her first song, Tim McGraw came out and like blew up. Yeah. And like, I've been a fan for her, almost her entire career. I would say it was really when it was really when she got involved in that Marsha Blackburn race that I felt like there's been a shift in her as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is a part of my heart that has like a deep compassion for Taylor Swift, because I do actually believe that she is like a hurting person. And I think there are women out there who her message resonates with them because they have been hurt specifically by men. Um, and so, you know, I mean, and I think that also ties a little bit into like the man hating conversation that we want to have, but I think that women, there are women out there who feel that way because they are coming from a place of having been hurt. And I think the question becomes, what do you do with that pain when you've experienced it? And like, how do you, what's the right way to respond? You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we were messaging about it, I think I brought up the, uh, the uh, Barstool sports stuff was happening kind of at the same time too with Dave Portnoy. And that's kind of resurfacing now. I know he's got like new allegations and things against him. And I thought it was really interesting hearing the daily wire. I can't remember if it was Ben or Matt Walsh, but they're my two go-tos at the daily wire. And uh, they were talking about it and they were talking about how, like, I think it was Ben. He was talking about how like we, we teach women and we teach everybody. um, But, but women, especially, you know, with like the arisal of the, the me too movement and things like that, to um, first, we taught them that you should just do sexually, like whatever is, as long as it's consensual, whatever you do it, is yep. totally fine. You should feel good about it. You should feel, um, you know, empowered to do that. And then like some of the stuff is like shameful and it's mm-hmm. embarrassing and it's, you know, it doesn't leave you feeling good afterwards, right? Like having yep. a one night stand oftentimes like does not leave people feeling great about themselves the next day, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and then we don't teach people how to like, process that there's no like yeah. what do you do with that then when you don't feel feel good about yourself afterwards absolutely and the difficulty with the me too movement is i think and what what they were kind of pointing out what ben was pointing out is that you have all these people who feel empowered and they feel you know they're excited they're kind of drunk mm-hmm. and they do this consensual stuff the next day they feel terrible about it or it was consensual and then the guy doesn't want to talk to them again anymore or they break up or whatever it might be yeah. and there's this shame there's this guilt there's this heartbreak and it's like what do you do with that you know, yeah. like how, what, how do you respond to that? You're not supposed to be feeling shame, right? Because right. it was supposed to be good because it was consensual. That's the only check mark right. uh, for anything sexual. That's the only sexual morality that the world has. And yeah. so if you've checked that box and it's like, why do I still not feel good afterwards? And then you right. get vengeful, you get resentful, you get hateful, you know, mm-hmm. and you want to take some type of revenge a lot of times. Yep. Um, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying and saying that there weren't awful allegations in the Me Too movement that it didn't bring anything good up, you know, and especially with like some of the Harvey Weinstein and some of the things that it exposed about Hollywood. I mean, I think in a lot of professions, but there, there's so much, there's so much blurry area in there because we can't mm-hmm. ever know, you yeah. know, like when is somebody telling the truth, when is it not when it's yeah. a, he said, she said kind of example of circumstance, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. I always go back to like, I really believe that as a like human race, we are just reliving the stories of the Bible over and over and over again. And when wow. I like, for example, Taylor Swift or when she, what she talks about in her, in her songs or like, you know, everything you're referring to just about this experience, this dynamic between men and women who haven't been taught, haven't been told, like, this is how, what human sexuality is supposed to look like. I believe that we just see a repeat over and over and over of Adam and Eve's experience in the garden. You have this Mm -hmm. experience of, I mean, like when we talk about Genesis, Adam was like, um, 
Eve came to Adam and brought him the apple. Um, and Adam, instead of putting his foot down and saying like, this is wrong. God told us not to do this. He just like kind of let it happen. And then Eve felt ashamed. And when God came down, who did he go talk to first? He addressed Adam and Adam blamed her. And so it's like, it puts this wedge, I think, between man and woman. And that's exactly what sexuality does when we take it outside of the marital context um, is there's the nakedness and the shame. um, Whereas it's the opposite of that in marriage, you know? And I, I mean, I think that ties in beautifully to like what you and I are experiencing right now, preparing for marriage that yeah. um, there's just this like great beauty of as, as I prepare and talk to friends who are recently married, I was with a friend last night um, who got married in July and it's incredible to listen to them talk about going from really fighting hard for chastity and also um, then coming into marriage and experiencing that intimacy and not having any shame or any reservations. And, you know, there might be like challenges there that you kind of have to like work through as a couple, but like, it's not, it's not, you don't feel shame. You feel like this is natural. This is the way that God made it. And it's not hard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I think I totally agree with you. I feel like that a lack of understanding about that. We're just, reliving the experience that Adam and Eve experienced in Genesis in the sense that like it drives this wedge between us. And then we're just left pointing the finger at the other person, like who's at fault for this negative experience and this shame that we feel, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting about that too, you know, you just kind of describing the garden and the fall of man really just made me think about the fact that it's interesting in that moment to think of Adam when he blames Eve, obviously, like they, they obviously have this like substantial discord at that point. Right. Like they're, yeah. they're probably not vibing too hard. Yeah. When he's like, yeah. was her. She's like, what yeah. the hell? You know? And you're also kind of like at this, it, it's the same. I think this is what like all sexual shame kind of leads to is it, it leads you feeling disconnected from God and from mm-hmm. the other person, right? Like it Absolutely. leads this brokenness in these two important relationships, obviously, Absolutely. you know, like primary relationships for a lot of people, and it's just like, man, what do you do from that? And that, that I think is even bigger heartbreak when you think of somebody like Taylor Swift, because I think a lot of the songs is her like losing her virginity, right? And then yeah. the breakup and things like that. When you have this person that you put over God, and then you realize at the end, even if you don't verbalize that or like fully like consciously realize that your relationship with God has been affected, I think we still, you know, at the, the core level know that, right? And it yeah. brings about some type of sadness and despair in our lives. And I love, I was just thinking, I was just reading about, uh, or reading some of my notes from Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Mm. And he, one of the quotes I took out of it, and I really loved was that Adam chose Eve over God. And that was one of the biggest things that led to the fall, you know, it was him wow. in that moment, you know, choosing yeah. to try to be united with her versus like being like respecting his obviously union and relationship with God. And so I think yeah. that's, I mean, how often does that lead to people losing virginity oh or sexual gosh, promiscuity you know, sure. in both yeah. directions too? You know, we often think about that, I think, with women being pressured by men, but I think we we fail. And this is something, you know, we want to talk about a little bit more later is kind of the balance of the chastity talk that sometimes it's the opposite, you know? Oh my gosh, for sure. Yeah. Men are, are used by women and, and men kind of uh, do the same thing and choose, you know, their Eve over God instead of oh, uh, yeah. sticking to what they know is true and right. I think we, as a society, I think we are so obstinate about refusing to acknowledge that women can truly be the sedu- seductress. And I don't mean that in like a liter, although that can sometimes be literal. I don't necessarily mean that in the literal sense. I also mean it in a figurative sense, in the sense that 
man's desire to be at peace with woman has led man to like take a step back and allow women to lead in a lot of issues. I personally am very convicted that I think this is why we have fallen so far with the abortion issue because men have said, I don't want to be part of that conversation. Like that's your Mm -hmm. thing. Women, you go, you go have that conversation. And they've sort of like abandoned that territory. Um, so I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I, and again, I think it goes back to like, we're just repeating ourselves as a, as a society, you know, humanity. Um, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, I was going to say something else about that and I don't remember, but yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. The leading aspect is, yeah, it is a big thing. And I think it's so mm-hmm. interesting too, you know, we were going to talk about some of the post stuff. Um, and this is making me think about it too, because I think, we're seeing now what one thing that that you know we're, we're talking about the the posts that I shared about from the Catholic Feminist mm-hmm. uh, Instagram page and just a lot of the comments and things like that. Again, want to give a shout out. I love the Catholic Feminist. I think she's great in a lot of ways. And uh, didn't necessarily hate the post. I hated a lot of the comments that I read. Um, but there, there's some issues that I have with the posts and stuff as well. But one thing I think is really interesting that mm-hmm. just like reflecting on this in the last day has really like brought to mind mm-hmm. is. So many women today, and I feel like a lot of women who would identify as feminists or at least kind of like empathize with the feminist movement, even the current one, right, which I think is radical, basically in all its forms. If you're any type of feminist today, uh, I think it's hard to really like disassociate that from the the radical side of it. You know, it's kind of been it's just been hijacked uh, completely. Um, yep. And it's been high. I mean, it's been hijacked for 60 years. Like, it's not like it's been hijacked, you know, in the last decade. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's been unbelievably hijacked in the last decade. But yeah. um, one thing that really made me think about was what those women often will be the ones talking about toxic masculinity. Where are the good men? There are no good yeah. men out there. Men are bad. That kind of thing. And what I think is most interesting is when you look back to when you think about when men were potentially good, like it's the generations of feminist women that have raised the men for the last 60 years, you know, that we have and our men are wimps. Yeah. Yeah. That the men are soft. They're not willing to lead. Like you just said, they can just kind of step back. They're super passive. Yeah. Like, why is that? That's because you've got women in the streets and, you know, in vagina hats and with their breasts out, you know what I mean? And like, uh, like, like screaming about the need to be able to kill their child in their womb, you know, and and you have men who were raised by, I mean, hardly can call them men, but adult males who are raised by these women who were doing stuff like this that have no backbone and they have no love for the truth or society. And then you couple that with the feminization of the church and how we've drifted away from tradition and all these things. It's like, this is the result of what you created. And now you have these women that are like, where are all the men? Yeah. You know, I, um, I also have a lot of respect for, there are a couple of like Catholic feminist organizations out there right now. And I respect the work that they're doing. And I think that they have good intentions, but a friend of mine, a couple of years ago said something that has really stuck with me. He said, we don't need to be feminists because we're already Catholics. And I think Mm. for me, that just really resonated because I am uncomfortable with this notion that we as Catholics have to, in some shape or form, like pander or fit into a a worldly movement. Um, and so I understand mm-hmm. the intention that I think we're trying to bring some more feministic principles into the faith, but I think we're looking at it the wrong way. I think we need to be pressing our Catholic values out upon the world. And the Catholic church has always revered women. That's never been false, you know? Right. Um, so in terms of like this conversation about man hating and just where, the church falls in all of that. I mean, I feel like 
you know, and you talk about this post specifically. Um, have you heard of the book Leaving Boyhood Behind? Huh. Oh my gosh, you have to read it. You would love it. It's amazing. It's by Jason Craig, I believe. I I was walking at adoration a couple of years ago and it was like sitting on like a, a stack of books. And I just total providence moment because I just happened to pick it up and I was like, this is really intriguing. And I sat down on adoration and I read it from cover to cover sitting in adoration that one day. And I turned wow. around, I left and I was like, I, I went and bought 10 of them and I started handing them out to my guy oh, friends right. because this book is so incredible. It talks about how, um, like the reason why we have this generation of men who are so not masculine essentially right now. And he talks about a couple things, but one of the primary things is that we have a generation of fatherless men of, of men who are still living like boys because they never had fathers to initiate them into manhood. And he talks about like, okay, women, biologically girls become women biologically. There's like a very specific biological process that occurs. You get your period. That is the moment that, you know, I'm not a girl anymore. I'm a woman now. I can become pregnant. I can carry a child, but for men, it's different for men. There is like a period of like some type of initiation has to happen. Men have to be accepted into the culture by other men in order for them to feel like, okay, this is it. I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a man now. And with that comes responsibilities. Um, and he talks about, he gets into the, you know, the biblical backing for this perspective. And he talks about biblically Christ's moment of um, initiation into manhood and like what that was in the Bible. And wow. he talks about, um, I want to say it was, and I don't, I don't remember. It's been a couple of years now since I've read it, but I want to say it was the moment that Christ, um, isn't found in the temple after three days. Um, his parents find him and he says, didn't you know, I would be in my father's house. Um, and he like, really, he, he goes through the whole passage and anyway, it's, it's incredible. Highly recommend. But, um, Dope. I was, it was so eye opening to me because it really showed me that, what you're saying, which is women can't forge good men. Men have to forge good men. Yes. And I think that the lack of community, I mean, something my fiance has experienced in us being engaged is this feeling of isolation in that he's a 32 year old man who's trying to be a good man and trying to honor me in our future marriage. And there is very little authentic masculine support out there to help oh, him yeah. do that well. Yeah. Um, And I think that he has like hit the nail on the head that like, where are men who want to be good men supposed to go? The answer is not to feminist women. That's not the answer, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) So I respect what Claire is trying to do, but I I agree with you. I think that there's like, we're missing some really important pieces. For sure. No, that's fire. Dude, I was thinking about that yesterday as well. You know, is is in that same time period, you look back at like the 60s, right? And thinking about like Linda B. Johnson is when the war on poverty began and you had Mm. the welfare state really just starting to dominate. And thinking about that, which led to a ton of fatherlessness, you know, you can mark the stats. It's really insane at how, you know, things have tracked since then. Um, I think it's like five times, I think it's three times higher the fatherlessness in the black community, but it's risen to like yeah, 70% or something like that. And then yeah. the white community, I think, went from like 5% to 25% of kids not being raised with their biological father in the home. Yeah. And uh, you have, yeah, Larry Elder and Thomas Sold, they all share the stats on that, especially within the black community of like a kid was actually more likely to be raised in home with a biological father and mother during times of slavery than they are in present times. Um, and immense. And, and actually, there was a time in the early uh, 20th century, I believe, that a black kid was more likely to be raised in the home with a biological father or mother than a white kid was 
Wow. Just, yeah. Just exponentially, just obviously go swing in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, but just how sad that is. And I think that was something that I really stepped in. So to give context on the post, it was kind of this mm-hmm. boys will be boys post and changing it to, you know, boys will be held accountable for their actions, which obviously I think you and I would both support, yeah. um, you know, and it kind of in the, in the, uh, comment section, I feel like went to a lot of like boys hating and talking about this locker room talk and frat boy culture and things like that. And there's obviously issues with those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not, I don't think either of us would advocate for, you know, uh, no boundaries and just freedom yeah. into whatever, you for know, sure. preteen and teenage boys want to talk about that that should be continued into your fifties and sixties. Um, but I think what, what's missing oftentimes mm-hmm. is, is this sense of compassion. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, it, it's not that I look at women and I'm like, you know, you should stop being compassionate towards women. It's just that I don't understand that when we talk about birth control or abortion or these things, like I think of, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but from the men's perspective, I feel like when I think of women who have gone uh, or who've had abortions, when they're like approached by the community, by the church, or by people who are talking about the evils of abortion, oftentimes we will be very gentle and like talk about God's love for them and God's healing and God's forgiveness and mercy, which is beautiful and great. I think Mm -hmm. of like, is it Rachel's vineyard or something like that where they have like Mm -hmm. the retreat. Right. And I think of like these beautiful retreats and things they get to go on. Right. And I'm like, men, like from the time we're 10, you know, it's like, it's your fault. Like you need to stop doing this This is sinful. This is bad. This is wrong. You shouldn't do this. If you're failing in your relationship. Yeah. You're not protecting the woman. You're not doing the things you're called to do. You're not being a man. It's like, who's here to teach us. For sure. You know, we have no men and the women got rid of them, yeah. you know, by the feminization Amen. of the church. Yeah. Yep. The women got rid of all the men and feminism destroyed them. So now we have no role models. We yep. have a ton of fatherless guys, you know, growing up. I don't have a Catholic father to look to as a great example. Yep. You know, my dad has yeah. seven kids by five different women, uh, has been married several times, lived with his girlfriend now and is not Catholic uh, yeah. by any, you know, by any extent, he's never been Catholic or anything. And so yeah. it's like, I'm out here trying to figure it out on my own. And then I read comments in those comment sections that talk about how men abuse the power and responsibility that God's give them every single day. And it's like, what, like, how does, how is this helping? Well, and that's, here's the thing, like men abuse power, but we all abuse power. Like it's like women too. And I think that part of the toxicity of the feminist movement is that they are, they meaning feminists, it's almost like they are blind to the role that they play, you know, like, um, gosh, I mean, you like preach, I could not agree with you more. And I, I feel so convicted that one of the most transformative lessons I think I have learned is how to submit to the leadership of my fiance, soon to be husband. Like, I feel like that's been one of the most beautiful lessons that, that exists for me in this season of engagement, because it gives me opportunities to like, to submit, not in the sense of like, he tells me what to do and I obey, like, not like that, but like, if we're disagreeing, a a, a good friend of mine, um, uh, was giving me like some advice on marriage the other day. And she said to me, like, my husband and I have this thing that when we are disagreeing on something, we choose the relationship, we choose the marriage, which means Mm. like one of us will volunteer like to be wrong. To take the L. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like I am so happy to like take the L and like let my fiance lead. And that is so empowering to him. Like I remember him when we first started dating, I used to tell him all the time, like how grateful I was that I felt he made me feel like my trust was like, he was worthy of my trust. 
And Mm -hmm. I think for him, that was so empowering because he felt like I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm honoring this woman and it made him want to be around me. And so I feel like that is what women are missing because we're so angry at men for hurting us. And we're so mad. And instead of receiving that and sitting with that and saying like, what, where do I find a a bomb to heal the pain in my life? The answer is Jesus Christ. That's the answer to that question. But women who have no exposure, no relationship to God, they point the finger and they say, you did this to me and I'm going to make your life hell as a result. And women can be so mean and so vindictive. And I personally feel like that, I mean, I'm sorry, like I understand the good intentions of the feminist movement, but the feminist movement is rampant with that vindictive anger of you took something from me and I'm going to make you pay for it. You know, um, that's the Taylor. That's, that was my whole thing with Taylor Swift and, and the Jake Gyllenhaal song too. Absolutely. And that was why I tried to bring the analogy up yesterday where, and I I watch a lot of uh, Jordan Peterson where he talks about uh, not just feminism, but like the uh, inequality between men and women. Right. And he debunks a lot of things, a lot of stats and stuff that get thrown around all the time. Um, But I feel like we're, it's kind of parallel to race. I think, you know, where there's like Mm -hmm. this swing back of the the power just totally in the other side, you know? So really interesting, I think for us to be able to look at this problem as a, as a white woman and a black man, you know, we're kind of like tied on the, on the victim scale. You know what I mean? We're like, we're like, any given day it kind of shifts, you know what I'm saying? Like if abortion's under attack, they like you, you slide up one and then with George Floyd. Yeah. And then I, I take the, that's amazing. Take the lead. Yeah. Um, but it is just kind of like this extreme back, the extreme swinging back of power where it's like, mm-hmm. now we have like affirmative action and something similar is happening with women. You know, yeah. I even see it in companies that I've worked for where it's like, yep. we're hiring a woman because it's like, I'm like the whole, the whole team just became women, yeah. you know, like yeah. it just, it happens so fast. And it's like, we have these diversity hires and all this stuff. And I'm like, I've benefited from affirmative action as a black man. Yeah. And I feel like I talk to these Catholic women in, in moments like this. And I'm like, you don't under like you don't see how like the world's actually benefited you in a ton of ways. Yeah. And how it's actually like discouraging, especially for boys today. Yeah. You know, being raised right now. Yeah. Um, like I, I was like, I did like I don't think either of us, especially like growing up or, or at least through our college years, like you probably didn't get the full uh, you know, um attacks on white people that are happening now, I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, and kids in high school that are being like trained yeah. with CRT. And I didn't have the, the same attacks that a lot of boys are going through now because mm-hmm. toxic masculinity was just becoming a thing um, in, you know, probably my college years, really. But I feel like people don't realize that and that we're like living in these extremes where I'm like, guys, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't attack the, the uh, you know, the locker room talk or that we shouldn't condemn the people who defended Trump mm-hmm. and like his his words and his grotesque, you know, remarks. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like it kind of goes back to what you said too, of not of being blind to the roles of like, you guys can't change this anyways. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're not going to impact this or change this. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought of that I think is interesting, and I'm sure you'll agree with this. I shared in a DM with somebody who had responded to me was I was like, Emily's not afraid, at least that I know of, of our future sons, God willing, being toxic, you know, toxic yeah. men because she believes in me yeah so I'm like all these women on here who are Amen. ranting about this i'm like are you yep. single moms yeah like or do you did you just are you a feminist and you married a coward and now you're afraid that you're going to have toxic that's the only two options <laughs> yeah as far as i can see i wow you know? Amen. do you fret about that 
on a regular basis? Like if you no. have sons that you <laughs> I don't, you know what? Like I, I don't. And it's, that's so funny that you say that too, because years ago, um, I was in a relationship on and off with a, with a guy that I knew in high school for a long time. And, um, I remember around that time, someone, um, asking me like, or someone saying to me, you should marry a man that you would want your sons to be like. And I remember having, you know, I mean, God bless him. I pray for him, but I remember having some reservations about, about this guy that I was with for a long time. And now, I mean, I had that thought the other day and that's a wonderful thought to me. It's a thought that like fills me with tears that like my future sons could be like the man I'm going to marry in eight months, you know? Right. Um, like praise God for that thought. And so I'm with you like, and, and that's something that I wish feminists could understand is like having a man in your life that you respect and admire and that you want to be with, you know, like, and that you trust. I think trust is so huge. And I feel like that has been the most liberating and empowering experience for me is like being with a man that I know I can trust. I don't have to doubt this man. I don't have to question him. I don't have to worry about that. I mean, he owns guns and I'm not, I'm not afraid of his violence. You know what I mean? Like, because he's not a violent person, you know, it's like, um, I'm sure you read stuff like this, but I read something recently that talked about masculinity as being like the power that men have. That's like well harnessed. Maybe Jordan Peterson talks about yeah, that. He I'm talks not really about sure, but men should it's become a monster. Like, he always says. Yeah. And I freaking love that. I think that's yeah. awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. We want our men to be able to stand up and protect us, but we also want them to be meek and humble and like, you know, worthy of, worthy of women. That's what we want, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm with you. I think that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's really, uh, and I'm sure, yeah, I think you just described this like Emily, uh, talks about it all the time. Like it's really dope to feel safe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Right. And you yeah, walk around with some is. soft, yeah. Some soft dude that so will cool. go to women's marches with you. Um, it's pretty dope. <laughs> feeling like a, safe. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's also like afraid of guns. You know what I mean? That, yeah. It's like down to wear a dress if you want them to. Um, 100%. Yeah. It turns out that's not that tight. Um, and that's what I think a lot of feminist women learn in their divorces. But, you know, I, I had, I, I just shared this in a solo podcast I recorded like two days ago that there was a uh, Jordan Peterson was on the Joe Rogan podcast and talking about that exact topic. And Joe Rogan gave this fire quote. I feel like you've dropped like six fire quotes. Now I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to, you know, match you one. But Joe Rogan said, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener at war. Amen. And just like the need yeah, to just become a badass, like learn how to fight, learn That's how to be awesome. dangerous because yeah. you can go and like a warrior can learn how to garden, but a garden yeah. get put, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to be much less uh, prepared and the stakes are a lot higher, <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's like, it's better to learn how to do that. There's another one that came from uh, wild at heart where he said that a lion in a cage eventually forgets that it's even a lion. And the same thing mm-hmm. happens to men. And I think we've just yep. caged them up for so long. Um, that it's really sad to see how that dies, dies in a man as he grows older and you just get scolded for every time you like express your boyhood or your yeah. masculinity, you know, you yeah. get in trouble at school, you get in trouble at home, you get in trouble anywhere and realizing that like those things aren't bad. They're actually good. They just do need to be tamed and controlled and channeled yeah. into good things that you're, you're fighting for. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so interesting to me. One of my like favorite things is to is to look at the biology of the way that the human being was made and put it up next to like what the church teaches on that particular topic. So like Mm -hmm. with this, for example, there's this great book. I don't remember the name of it. Um, it's about the, it's about the hormones that 
are at play in your body when you're having sex, essentially. Um, gosh, it's, but it's like a, it's a chastity book. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, but when man and woman have sex, women, the chemicals that are released in the woman's brain are slightly nuanced than the men's and Mm. the women experience as a result of the chemicals in their brain that are released during orgasm, a feeling of attachment men, it's a feeling of responsibility. Mm. And I just love that because I think, well, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And it's also terrible because you have, we have a society of angry women and men who are running the other direction when they find out that their girlfriend's pregnant or they, you know, find out that this woman wants a commitment from him. And it's because of that aversion, that resistance to that feeling of responsibility that's happening in his brain because he had sex with that woman on the flip side of that women, same thing. You have this, this culture of like angry, jealous women, because their brains are telling them I'm attached to this person now. Like he's a part of me now, but he's running away. And you're like, what is the, where is the miscommunication happening here? You know what I mean? And so, but it's beautiful when we can lean into that because everything you're saying, this desire that men have to harness their strength and harness their power and use it really, I think what a lot of men desire which ultimately results in marriage, if you're doing it the right way, is men desire to harness that for the purpose of protecting and taking responsibility for a woman. And then mm-hmm. later for children, you know, like, right. and when we're able to, when men understand that about themselves and they're able to take responsibility because that's really what they're desiring in their hearts. And that's what the way their bodies were made. It is beautiful what can happen and what the fruit is. And the fruit is children, family, you know, the life that God had planned for all of us. But when we are acting against that, it's, it's chaos, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It is. Yeah. And it's so interesting to, um, you know, or I really love and appreciate your, uh, kind of witness that you've given uh, in your life and, and just today in sharing the aspect of, of choosing a parent who will embrace mm-hmm. those things, who will embrace those responsibilities, you know, because I think that I've tried to encourage women to understand that since I was in college, you know, I'm like, I feel like, and, and I love my parents, obviously, but I've seen myself, I've seen a lot of friends where it's like, you know, a lot of us are a lot closer with our moms than we are our dads. And it's like, I wish that I could go back in time and tell some of my friends' parents, like you were choosing the, the parent of your child, not just your spouse, because yeah. I think people get so selfish in that. They have this mm-hmm. attachment and they're like, oh, he'll, he'll change or she'll change and it'll be better. It'll grow. It'll be different, you know? And it yeah. doesn't, and it doesn't just affect your life super negatively. It also affects your children because yeah. that's the mother or father of your kids. For and sure. we fail to recognize that and realize that. And then you see all these women on posts like this that are going off about how afraid they are to raise their kids and how something they're praying through and working through is how they cannot raise toxic men. It's like, what if you just had a great one in the home? Yeah. You know, Amen. like where did Jesus, yeah. Jesus is the greatest man of all time. Like he obviously knew a lot and there's obviously like theological debates of how much he had to learn, but he did have St. Joseph modeling for him. Like there's no uh, coincidence in that, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. that's just, that's how it works. You look at some of the, the, my, uh, my favorite priests that I know, um, you know, father Jonathan Meyer, who's saying our wedding, like mm. he has a ton of, no way. Is he saying your wedding? Yeah. The priest that is, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Father May, Daniel Mayen, who's the priest that he shares his parishes with is saying yeah. our, our wedding. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, I can't wait to tell uh, that's so priest funny. Priest in solidum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Seriously. Yeah, oh Father my gosh. Meyer that's so my awesome. Dude. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So he's coming out, he's coming out and doing it, but they have a great program there. I don't know if you've heard about like the altar boys program and stuff that they have for, for yeah. the young boys in the parish. 
but he's, he sent so many young dudes to the seminary from this small yeah, rural I'm parishes, sure. you know, and it's because yep. he's a great man. And that's what you need is you need people to model this behavior and for women too. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm equally excited when you were saying that about, um, you know, your sons, I'm like, that's what I think about my daughters. I'm like excited that my daughters yeah. will, uh, be yeah. someone like Emily. Obviously I'm semi-concerned if they talk as much, I'm like, I don't think I'll ever get to speak again, you know, depending on how many daughters we have. Um, so that's my only concern. But other than that, I'm super excited, you know, that yeah. my daughters will be like Emily. Oh my gosh. That's Hopefully so awesome. Wow. That's amazing. No. And I mean, I can tell you like, so father Mayen, um, who works with father Meyer, he, um, I think he was an, a really important masculine role model for Will in his life. I mean, he, mm. Will used to go sit and play poker at his kitchen table, you know? And yeah. I mean, gosh, if you want to talk about role models for men, I mean, regardless of whether men are called to the priesthood or not, I think that um, men just need to be around and see good priests. I mean, men need to yeah. see good men, but men need to see good priests. And I think we've really experienced, the, the church has experienced the wound of this like feminization of men in a lot of our priests. I think we have a lot of very weak priests and like, I'm not here to criticize. I'm here to say like, this is just not just a crisis for our culture. It's a crisis for those very specific souls, because I think we have a lot of lost priests as a result. How can you live a vocation that requires your strong, virtuous masculinity? If you never learned how to be strong and virtuous, you know, and then now you're expected to be a father, not just of your biological children, but of humanity. Um, I think that that I think that we've experienced that wound in like a very particular way. Yeah, absolutely. It's so powerful, you know, and it's, it's something like, I can't explain how great it is when you do get to be like, I just had my bachelor party, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like 10 days ago uh, or like two weeks ago. Yeah. It was two weeks ago. I was there and uh, man, like to be around, I think it was like all of the men that I consider like my virtuous friendships, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, and then plus a few, uh, of the yeah. other homies, you know, but th- like, I mean, when I say virtuous friendships, I'm talking like high level, you know, like we both yeah. literally look up to each other, you know, and like when you're around people like that, the, the other time that it came to mind when we were talking about Father Meyer was over back in June, I got to speak at this like big, uh, it was the first time I met Father Man was um, at June, they had this big like youth camp and they had me come and speak and I stayed yeah. for two days with them and Father Chase Hildebrink, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but um, so. he's out of Peoria. And he does okay. uh, vocations for them. He, former professional soccer player in Chile. He's he's oh my gosh, awesome. that's amazing. Yeah, absolute yeah, rock star. And they're friends. And so Father Chase was get, like spoke too, but we both stayed an extra day. And so we had like yeah. all of Sunday and then Monday together. And man, it was like the coolest thing in the world because <laughs> all three of us love each other. They're I think the only two priests who actively listen to every episode of the Seattle's podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. I love that. It's hilarious. Father Myron will call me sometimes and he'll be like, are you, you keep, he said, he's like, I'm all hype. You keep calling people hoes. I think it's so funny. <laughs> oh my up. gosh. I love that. That's yeah. so awesome. It's amazing. But like just the power of being around guys like that. And when you get to spend this time together and yeah. at my bachelor party, people were cracking up when I told them the story. I'm like, we debated like topics for like three hours <laughs> Saturday yeah. morning, just like over coffee. We're like, would like, do you think the U S should move to like, uh, you know, make pornography illegal or like, uh, you know, vaccine mandates and all these different things. And we have people who would just like kind of do devil's advocate yeah. and things like that. But we're genuinely yeah. talking about these topics. I'm like, this is so fun to be around men who we definitely like value and respect each other's opinions yeah. and like who we are as men. And it's like, you can't describe it, you know? And I'm like, I can't, 
imagine oh and what a beautiful gift I hope it'll be for for my sons and I've gotten to witness it and other people like the Swaffords like Andy Swafford mm-hmm. um watching the stuff he does with his boys like it's like man what a gift that is and how yeah. cool it'll be to see uh, I think this next generation that's going to be uh largely not have that opportunity but there are so many uh you know great young Catholic couples who I think yeah. are going to raise raise great men up I I just love I mean, gosh, I love that you have that community. And I feel like that's why, um, excuse me, that's why Jordan Peterson, I think has gained so much traction in with his message. And I'm sure you'll agree with me because he is like speaking to men into that desire, I think for like intellectual conversation and like real actual thought, like I feel like our, I feel like part of the problem, and actually I think Jason Craig talks about this in leaving boyhood behind is that so much of what men are immersed in nowadays, just like numbs them from thought, like, you know, porn video games, like so many things that men spend so much of their time doing. Um, it just like turns their brains off. So you don't have a lot of men in like secular culture who are having real conversations about like real actual that's one of the reasons that barstool just makes me like because they waste time talking about trash you know and it's like why are men filling their brains with this stuff like and i think to your point like it's so beautiful that you have had that experience of being around men that you can have great conversation with because i think that men desire that and they don't know they don't understand maybe that that's why they're feeling such emptiness in the way that they spend their time elsewhere because there's this right. desire for like real authentic thought and conversation and that men, men are kind of, I, I feel like in our culture, men are told like, like, you know, go watch sports or something like, right. No one needs to like you, you know what I mean? Like talking yeah. is for women. It's like the, everybody loves Raymond. I, you know, I watched that a yeah. lot growing up and it's just yeah. like, right. It's this dumb idiot. Who's just good for making money at his job. Yeah. You know, yeah. and can't make any decisions for doing exactly. anything right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. He's the only one that ever wants to have sex in the relationship, you know, yeah. in the marriage. And it's like the most like stereotypical thing. Yep. And it is really, really sad. But yeah, Jordan talks, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about that stuff, man. And and because people ask him, I watched I, you know, after after listening or after going through the whole Instagram stuff yesterday, I always like will go back to some of my favorite videos when I'm like in a certain topic, yeah. you know. And so I watched his, I don't know if you've ever seen his Kathy Newman interview. Oh, yeah. Was that like the original like viral Yeah, it no? was definitely one of it yeah. was she's British okay. and she like is she wearing like purple or something. Uh, I can't remember. remember. No, that, that might be an example of yeah. a woman thing. I remember that she was for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no idea what either of them were wearing. <laughs> okay. That's I think so I know you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Highlight the differences. Emily, I forget, we just had a moment like this, like two days ago where she was like, I talked to like a friend of mine or something for like 30 minutes on the phone. And she asked me some like very basic question about like his wife or something. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I you know, no I was like, I don't even know if I could tell you what like half my friends do for a living, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, we don't talk about work or a lot of personal stuff, but um, sometimes we do. We was like, I, I'll, I'll get into deep conversations. Like, no, my friends like struggle with chastity, you know, more than I know what he does like oh, more yeah. five every day, yeah. um, which is, which is, I guess his priorities, you know what I'm saying? Yep. But yep. Um, Jordan Peterson talks a ton about this stuff and he talks about how, yeah, men just need to be told they're good. And he, he, he has some, like one thing that gets him really emotional. I've seen it in several interviews is when he talks about how little encouragement people get. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and somebody will come up to me on the street or after a talk or something. And they will tell me something that's good that happens, you know? And he's like, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's great, man. Good for you. Yeah. You know? And he's like, people need so little encouragement, but they get almost none of it. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that, again, going back to the post from yesterday that really struck me was it, it's something that I'm like, we, I have, I have my like, you know, male homies on Instagram as well, the Catholic mm-hmm. Instagram world, but it's just so hard because like, you know, a, a woman like, and this is great. I think it's a beautiful thing, but like Emily posts, you know, like a selfie of her or something like that. Like she's got 50 comments from women about how great she looks, how awesome <laughs> she is. And that's not just true in the church. That's, that's yeah. secular world too. You know what I mean? Like you can see in a secular world where girls post pictures of themselves, like all their friends flock. And it's like, guys are like, we just don't do that, you know? And it's like, that's okay. And I'm not looking for, you know, guys to tell me how beautiful I look in a photo, but it's like, that's (laughs) lacking outside of that too, though, you know, like in other things. And it means so much to me that I have David Calavita and a lot of these other homies, you know, that I've met through uh, social media and obviously like my actual male friends as well. But it's hard because like that male, friendship is lacking like i don't i don't have that every weekend you know like the bachelor yeah. party was so dope because like my yeah. friends there was friends from austin texas chicago new jersey you know like yep. we don't get together that often so i don't really yeah. get it that frequently yeah um and we we feel the lack of of men in the church as well yeah the same thing that that now emily's emily kind of laughs because she's watching me go through it where she was like for so long when she was single like all these catholic guys are weird now she sees me in denver trying to make <laughs> you know, male kind friends of, yeah, like, all these yeah, yeah. guys are weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? true. And it yes. is, it's a really difficult and painful experience for both sides. And it's like, we're yeah. both hurting about this, you know, and I'm trying for to do something sure. about it. Yep. Like why discourage along the way, you know? Yep. Yep. Just- and you know what, to be honest, you just hit on something that I have a lot of angst about with the feminist community, because as women, I feel like we have such a beautiful opportunity to come to men with like a gentle place to land, you know, like, right. I feel that that role in my fiance, in my relationship with my fiance is very important for me to be someone that he feels like he is safe with me, you know? And I feel like we've created this culture of women who hate men so much that they just, you know, it's like what I've said, they just want to chase after you with criticism and ravage men with all of the things that they've done wrong, that they need to change and be different and be better. And we have robbed men of the peace and the safety and the beauty of like having a relationship with a a compassionate and gentle and, you know, perhaps also convicted woman. And actually not perhaps, I think that's very important too, but I just feel like we have such a calling as women to receive men. And I think that's, that's the algae of the body. You know, that's, that's what our bodies, that's what our bodies tell us. We are called to receive men and it's an opportunity for us to be meek. It's an opportunity for us to, like I said, choose submission, even when it's uncomfortable. Um, and we, that is the opposite of what women do nowadays. I mean, women want to be out, have their big career. They want to be at the forefront. They want everything to be about them. And obviously I'm generalizing, which is probably unfair, but I think that's true for a lot of, (laughs) I think that it's true for a lot of women nowadays, you know, they want to have it all and men are left with nothing. And actually, Um, yeah. And actually like perpetuate and become the toxicity that they, you know, once condemned. Yeah. Cause that's what I kept pointing out is songs like WAP and things like that. I'm like, this is not just like a men's only thing now. Like oh, we as yeah. a church should be collectively condemning that in the world. 100%. Like, nobody in the church is like, is saying that that's okay. For yeah, 100%. You know, oh, I'm yeah. like men get more of the chastity talks and more of the like abrasive, like condemning yeah. chastity talks yeah. um, versus like the healing, you know, like kind, gentle approach. That I feel like a lot of women who have fallen will often yeah. get, not always, but I, you know, I, I feel like that's the general approach. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, the other thing that I, I pointed out yesterday too, is that 
uh, like men get it from, like you, like you just said, from the world and now from within the church, mm-hmm. you know, as we're like women, it's like, at least if, if you wanted to be, you know, if any of the shameful things that, that Catholicism makes a woman feel bad about, like the, the world will champion you, mm-hmm. you know, the world will go out there and say, shout your abortion, like be proud of it. Do, you know, yeah. do all these things. Yeah. It's like, but we like men, <laughs> it seems like, you know, yeah. from both sides and from yeah. both people. And I think the hard part too, is like, there's, you know, when you have the Me Too movement, it's like every woman goes out and looks at a man differently. Just like mm-hmm. during 2020, when you had, it was hard. It was hard for me as like a conservative black man to not look at the police differently. Cause I'm just yeah. like, this is so ingrained. You hear it and it's so yeah. much, you know, yeah. it's yep. hard for us during the, the, the pandemic to not look at each other differently. Right. And be yep. a little bit more germaphobic and not be as, uh, you know, loving and, and neighborly with one another. Um, so we all feel that, but like, we don't do that to women who have had abortions or on birth control. Like, we don't like generalize that. I feel like as men and like go out mm-hmm. and look at all women differently, you know, like there's women right. out there who have an abortions right now. And yep. I don't, you know, see a woman on the street and be like, Oh, I bet you killed your baby, you know? Yep. But yep. there's women who come and just like look 100%. at the man and be like, you probably molested somebody. You've probably done yep. this or that, you know? And even if yep. you have, you know, been bad in relationships or fallen sexually in these things, or, you know, like I've cheated on people before done horrible things in relationship and definitely have used women in my life and it's like but you're still trying to change and you know you're like there's no like compassion for like i mentioned before the fatherlessness or lack of initiation or lack of role models yeah um meanwhile the majority of us who are faithful will point to our mothers you know Mm -hmm. and i think there's just a lot more women out there especially catholic women who have had strong catholic mothers and there are catholic men who have had strong catholic men in the home yeah um and both both feel the lack of a strong catholic father yeah. Um, but it's obviously harder to become a, a good Catholic man without a Catholic man in the home than it is to be yes. a Catholic woman without a Catholic, yes. you know, with a Catholic woman in the home. So 100%. Yeah. It's just tough, you know? Yeah. You know, you hit on something really, I mean, I guess I have two thoughts about what you just said. The first is that I, I have the thought a lot when Donald Trump was president and I felt like he was having, uh, I mean, this is, people will be triggered by this. I don't know how you'll feel about it. Maybe you'll agree with me, but I really believe that Donald Trump was having a conversion experience right before our eyes while he was the president of the United States. Mm. I'm not defending his behavior. I'm not defending his language, but I think that there were changes in the way that he was spending his time and where he was and where he was going and what he was doing and how he was handling his marriage that over his history is not the way he has behaved. And, um, I felt like our country had no mercy for that man, no mercy. And when, when I say mercy, I'm not saying like, we should have been gentler with him. Like, no, fine. Like hold him to a high standard, but like, we have no mercy for men in that. Once you've done something wrong, that is who you are now. Harvey Weinstein, the church is the church is here for Harvey Weinstein. If he ever wanted to become Catholic, the Catholic church is here for you, Harvey, you know, but secular culture is not because for the rest of his life, he is a predator because of the way that that's what the culture says, right. Is like, he will never not be a predator. That man is his sin. And I just feel like that is that the is same, the, the devil... same people who are ardently against the death penalty, which, you know, yeah. I'm like anti-death penalty too, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? Like they're 100%. like, well, there could be redemption and all this stuff. But yeah. Yeah. No, but Unless yeah, they're... but it's like, but where's redemption for Donald Trump or where's redemption for Harvey Weinstein? Like where are redemption for like the people who have truly, who have sinned in, in the public eye, you know? And yeah. for women, it's absolutely not the same. I mean, women can like what give me a, an example of a celebrity woman who has done something i mean it's actually interesting because we're experiencing this whole thing with Whoopi goldberg right now yeah. um 
I'd be curious to get your take on that, but that's probably a topic for another day. But, (laughs) um, and they, I don't think that the outcome will be, um, that she is fired from her job, which that's what the standard would be if it were a man. And, but also in addition to that, she has now started firing back and saying that she's pissed that they suspended her for what she said. And if a man paid leave, if a man did something like that, Oh no way. People yeah. would be at his door, especially, with a, white pitchforks, especially a white man, especially yeah. a white man. Our culture has no mercy for men. And I look at that and I'm like, this is, this, this is the spiritual battle played out because like something I was saying to Will the other day. So on our, on our first date, I was in politics for a long time and Will knew that about me. He had like known of me, um, for a couple of years and I had known of him, but we had never met. And on our first date, he asked me if I ever, if I wanted to run for office because he was concerned that I might want to do that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I need to know before I like move forward with this girl, if she wants to run for office or not. That's so. Funny. And I had kind of run the gamut with politics. Like I, so I like, won't be your vice president one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. And so I, I had like, I've kind of like, you know, run through the whole cycle with politics. I thought I would run for office one day and all this other stuff. And I worked for numerous women who were running for office slash, um, are currently in elected office. I was in a personal aide to, I probably shouldn't say her name, but um, people could find it if they really wanted to. Um, I, I was a personal aide for a woman who's now the governor of a state. She's a Republican governor. And I was her personal aide when she was Lieutenant governor. And I am here to tell you that this woman, I believe she's doing good work. And I think that God is using her, but, um, she was deeply unhappy in the job that she had. And she mm-hmm. felt torn into torn between her family and her job every single day. And so I told Will that on our first date, I said, quite frankly, like, I have seen women in public office and I have seen what it does to their family lives and how it tears them apart inside that they are beholden to their obligations of the state, but their hearts are beholden to the obligations of their family. And I don't want that for my life. And I'm not here to say that I'm not here to say that women can't or shouldn't run for office, but I am here to say that I believe good men should, and they must. And if you look at the spiritual hierarchy of the family, um, do you listen to Father Chad Ripperger? Ripperger? I yeah. don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, yeah. we got to meet him he at talks... Benedictine last year, which was really fun. Oh no way! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's yeah he's a cool guy. Um, he so I, I was really really into some of his YouTube videos a couple of years ago, and one of the things that really stuck with me that he talks about is like the spiritual hierarchy of the family. That the reason you see so much chaos, um, you know, drug abuse, violence, sexual abuse in families where the father is missing. It's because the father is the first line of defense against the devil. And if Mm. the father is gone, women and children are left wide open to demonic influence. And that's just, that is the truth. It's the truth, whether you're Catholic or not, it's the truth for everybody, because that's the way that the world is. And so I just feel like, why would society be any different in that we need good men to step up and lead? And when we remove men from the equation, what it's, it leaves us all vulnerable to spiritual attack. And so, I mean, not to make this a political thing, but, um, I just feel like we have to provide that space for men, for them to stand up and lead and be good men. And when we don't do that, we see that wound, not just in our families, not just in our relationships, but we also see it politically, you know, in, 
all of it, just all of it. I right. remember why I got on that rant, but I love it. No, it's great. You, it reminded me of something that I actually wrote down to, to mention earlier. You kind of brought to my mind was when you were talking about uh, Catholics don't need to be feminists because we're already Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true for so many things. And you see, mm-hmm. like, like just not a pander. And it yeah. brought up the the quote that I love from uh, Abraham Lincoln when he was asked one time, if like at, at the beginning of the Civil War, like, do you think God's on your side? And he said, the question is not whether or not God's on our side, but whether we're on God's side. And I think that mm-hmm. that is the 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 wall that a lot of social yeah. justice movements hit when they come into the church. And when you try yeah. to like bring it down, you know, you try to bring down the church into like a social justice movement um, by watering down yeah. the faith is a lot of these like feminist women. It's like, okay, like you want, you want like whatever, like when, when feminism was, you know, pushing for equality, like true equality, like out in the world and in the country mm-hmm. uh, in, in its like early stages in the first phase um, but when you get to it now, it's like you read the, how many feminists are like appalled at like Ephesians five and stuff that you've talked yeah. about many times throughout this of submitting to your husband um, and learning to do that through engagement. It's like, well, are you on God? Like, are you on God's side or are you trying to pull God onto your side? 100%. Right? And 100%. trying to make God into your own image or are you trying yeah. to become more in God's image? Are you yeah. trying to be more Marian or less? <laughs> you know, yeah. or make Mary yeah. into something that she's not. Um and I think that's that's so interesting to think about that. And you do see this change that you mentioned too, or, or the difference in ways that men and women are treated. Two, two examples that I thought of immediately was like um, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace to the Mamba. But you think of like him or or some of the other like men who have publicly like cheated on their wives, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Kobe, I think, bought like a $2 million ring for his wife, had to make like a public apology. Um, you can think of like a tiger woods and like some of these people who get like pretty shamed and, and, and like rightfully so, right. Like it's, yeah. it's a horrible, like adultery is terrible. Yeah. But then, then you think of like a Jada Pinkett Smith, right. Yeah. Who had this entanglement with August Alsina and, uh, uh, it, it like has an interview with Will where he's just like <laughs> emasculated on national yeah. television, you know, and she gets yeah. to like defend herself, yeah. you know, and I can never think of, I can't, I couldn't remember yesterday. Uh, the name of the woman. She's a representative. She was in the House of Representatives, and she like got caught up in like sexually harassing and like mm. sleeping with several of her aides. Kate something. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. I can't remember what her freaking ago, name yeah. is. But she yeah. gets like book deals and like all these yeah. things. And it's like if that was a man, but that's that's that. I mean, this parallels exactly 100%. what I'm talking about with the race yep. talk of like black people just get like this we get this like get out of jail free card yeah um you know when it comes to like public sin or scandal and then you whoopee i mean as a black woman she can do whatever the hell she wants oh you know? my gosh yeah. <laughs> yeah she's got so many points for yeah, yeah exactly yeah, she yeah. definitely beats both of us so yeah. uh <laughs> yeah for sure with her jewish last oh name my. and uh yeah, yeah wow oh my gosh yeah. she's got a lot of points yeah you're yeah right. she's she's wow. winning uh yeah. losing in many ways but winning in this battle <laughs> of the three of us if she were here today <laughs> yeah. we'd have to just let her speak first yeah I think but, you're right. um obviously we've, we've taken a lot of time and i appreciate your time i have two quick questions for you that you made me think okay. of in your in your last uh in your last words there that you shared one is are you uh as a conservative are you hopeful or not hopeful that donald trump will run in 2024 (laughs) i've got to be honest i'm hopeful because i feel that um i filled up my gas tank yesterday and i was like something's got to give like (laughs) this i'm running out of money here you know joe um i I am hopeful I'm hopeful that he'll run because I don't know that we have a super strong other option unless, um, you know, like, uh, what's his face from Florida? Um, Ron. unless the governor, like 
governor Ron of Florida. DeSantis. I think that would yeah. be cool. Yeah, Ron DeSantis. I think I'd be really, really cool to see him run. Um, I mean, I get how divisive Donald Trump is. I really get it. I also feel like this man, look at the fruit of what he, of his work. I mean, like mm-hmm. our country was a much easier place to live in three years ago. So yeah, other people sure. would disagree with me, but for I, sure. I personally do hope that he will run. That's really interesting. I think you, you're one of the first people I've asked uh, that I've gotten to talk with and asked that really? question on the podcast that have shared that. Yeah. And I'd love, I, I mean, if we hadn't already, you know, hit our hour next time we record, we can go deeper into we, that. Yeah, we can talk sure, more about that. Hopefully it'll sure. be before 2024. So yeah. we'll go into that further. <laughs> yeah. uh, th- but then the other thing we we're talking about Father Chad Ripperger and my question with that is, mm-hmm. where do you gauge yourself from one to trad. So let's say like <laughs> if zero, yeah. if zero is Father James Martin, you know, posters are on your wall. Um, and then yeah. 10 is like Taylor Marshall should be the next Pope. Like where do you kind of actually 10, I guess would be like SSPX. So let's, let's put that yeah. at the 10. Okay. Where do you put yourself? On I love scale? this. So, you know, I have some friends who are in seminary who have taught me so much, so much about the priesthood. And it's so beautiful to like have an understanding of what God had planned for that yeah. vocation. And one of the things that they've taught me that has really affected my view on like the trad versus not trad thing is they were like, a priest is a priest for life. So even at the end of the day, if that priest, if he leaves it all behind, if, and you know, he goes to live a secular life. If that man consecrates the Eucharist and he does it correctly, that it's still the Eucharist. It's still Jesus. And and it's still the body and blood of Christ. Like that can never be taken from him. And so for me, I just feel like I I definitely, I believe probably 98% of what father Chad says. There are some things I'm like, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I I believe strong takes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no denying that. He's got some really. He makes us look lukewarm in our. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. Um. Yeah. Sometimes, or sometimes I'm just like, dude, you could have said that better. (laughs) Like, just don't say it that way. But anyway, um. So I like. I believe it. I think the Latin Mass is, like, probably the better way. To be quite honest with you, like, I think there's a like Latin is the language of the Holy Spirit. I think it's a better. I think it's probably the better way. But also, like, is the Eucharist still the Eucharist if you go to a, a 1974 parish that's like the altar is over here or like the tabernacle's over here, whatever? Yeah. Like, it's are they still? Circle. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a circle. Like, <laughs> are, is it still the Eucharist? The answer is yes. Like, Jesus is still in that place, you know? Yeah. So I just feel like we have to, we have to like put what's important at the forefront. Not to say that liturgy isn't important, it's very important. But I think if we look at, Jesus is Jesus. He's in the Eucharist. He's there. He's present. He's there for us when we want him, when we need him. And when we show up, um, if we put that at the forefront, I think everything else will eventually kind of find its place. Mm. So I have a lot of faith that God has it under control, but so to answer your question, I guess I'm, I guess I'm like an eight. I don't know. An eight. That was like, I was all over the place. And then I was like, eight. (laughs) it home. I love it. Yeah, I'm no, the, really sure. the number scale was a ridiculous uh, proposal there. So I appreciate you even, yeah, remotely. <laughs> I had to like explain my nuance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. I love it. I think that's a great way to describe it. But um, awesome, Mary Kate. This is as great as I hoped it would be. Awesome time great. talking I'm with so you. Glad. So thanks so, so much fun. for sharing uh, everything. And obviously, highly encourage everybody to follow Mary Kate on Instagram, um, both at your personal one and then, uh, your, your movement that you started for women. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. 
yeah, beautiful stuff I that hope you're it working on. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Same, I appreciate same. that. We're praying yeah. for you. And we'll obviously Thank be you. praying for you and your engagement. I encourage everybody out there to thanks. pray for Mary Kate and Will. For chastity. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for chastity. And, uh, yeah. These uh next especially 92 days go by yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we'll be praying for. Yeah. Uh, that you can get to those double digits uh, you know, yeah. with a lot of peace. And so praying yeah. for that. And yeah, just want to encourage everybody out there, continue to seek excellence in every area of your life. I hope this was a blessing in your life in some way. And that maybe you learned something today. Um, maybe we pissed you off a little bit and that's good too. Uh, we're here for that. So, uh, if this was valuable, if you think this was interesting, we encourage you to share it with somebody who you think might also benefit from it. And as always, we want to encourage you just to fight hard, 